Hello, Carrie, one of our staff team, found this excellent image to represent to us what this preaching series is all about. God's people are called to be light in dark places, and this on-trend light bulb shows us what that can look like. And this is how Daniel and Esther, two characters from the Old Testament, lived for most of their days. Matt taught us about this last week, showing how in their daily life, Daniel and his companions were faithful to God. Uh, They didn't compromise, uh, but they also didn't remove themselves from the culture and the world that they found themselves in. And Matt gave us some great advice on how we can work out how to do that. I'm also really looking forward to next week when Raf Marode will be uh, teaching us about how the kingdom of God comes through the work that we do like these guys did. But what I want to look at today is um, is not about gradual increase, not about daily living so much as breakthrough moments when the light being shone uh, by God's people uh, becomes dazzling, when its impact increases, when we even perhaps get a taste of the glory that is to come. Today's story from Daniel is one of those moments, and I believe that God wants to use it to inspire faith in us, that he would do the same in us, in our lives. Now, it starts with things being very dark indeed, but God is going to shine his light. And we're going to go through the whole of chapter two, uh, bit by bit, to have a feel of the story as we go. But as we get started, why don't we pray and ask God to do what he wants to do. Lord God, we love you and we trust in you and we believe that you're the same yesterday, today and forever. And so as we see you give Daniel and his companions remarkable supernatural gifts today uh, in this story and, and the impact that it had on their world, we ask that you would give us faith for those gifts and you would give us those gifts that we would be able to shine for you in this world now. Amen. Amen. Well, let's remind ourselves of the background of this story. Daniel and his three companions were part of the group of Jewish exiles who had been taken hundreds of miles from their homeland to Babylon, the capital city of the empire that had conquered them. And they were learning to live in a place where their God was not known, let alone obeyed. And they were being trained to serve the king, Nebuchadnezzar. And you can substitute whatever power-hungry megalomaniac you can think of to give you a sense of what this guy was like. And we're going to see that right from the start of this story in Daniel chapter 2. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream and my dream is troubled and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldean said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honour. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know with certainty that you're trying to gain time, because you see that the word from me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, 
There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand, for no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods, whose dwelling is not with flesh. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out, and the wise men were about to be killed, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Uneasy lies the head that wears the crown. That's a line from Shakespeare who wrote it with a deal of sympathy uh, for sovereigns, probably because they were his patrons. The Bible um, agrees with him, but also wants to show us the grim irony that even someone as powerful as Nebuchadnezzar can be unsettled. And the Bible also gives us several examples of God speaking to people through dreams. And dreams have often been valued as a, a way of communication between the natural and the supernatural worlds. They can be moments of revelation and God can still speak through dreams today. In Babylon, an entire professional class had arisen to help people understand what was being promised uh, by dreams and other portents like them. But usually the interpreters were given some data to work with. Now, maybe Nebuchadnezzar was a bit cynical about all that. Uh, he thought that he would, whatever he said to them, they would just find a way of making it sound nice to him or getting themselves some favour. Or maybe he had actually forgotten the dream and all he could remember was the fear that came with it. But either way, he made a request uh, with unusually high stakes. Do what I ask and I'll give you glory. Fail to do it, I'll kill you all. Now, most of the time we are unlikely to be facing life-threatening scenarios like this. But let's see this as a situation in which common sense and other natural abilities will not save the day. It's a moment that requires a supernatural intervention from God. And all of us will experience these kind of moments. They're moments of human weakness and divine opportunity. Let's learn how we can respond in these moments and even how we can make some of them happen by seeing what Daniel does when death comes knocking at his door. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's, cap the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel. And Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So Daniel responds to this terrible news with prudence and discretion. Those words have in mean wisdom, uh, discernment, uh, that, that kind of thing. It's the opposite of the king's chaotic killing spring strategy. And maybe it was as the shackles were being put on him, as the sentence of death was formally being read out, that Daniel had the presence of mind to say, could you tell me what's going on? And to come up with a solution. Because his response to the news is to take action. I read these kind of stories and think, well, how is he able to do that? What is it about him that, that enables him to respond so coolly? And, you know, we just got to admit, there are just some people like that, aren't they? Christians are not, even in the worst situations, they just seem calm, a few steps ahead of the game or ahead of everyone else. 
But biblical wisdom isn't just natural ability. It's not just the result of good genes and a you know, nurturing upbringing. It comes from a relationship with God. And this is great news because this means that any of us, whatever our background, can ask God for wisdom and he will give it to us. Here's a promise from James 1 verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. But Daniel knows that actually natural talents and even God-given wisdom aren't going to solve this situation. They're only going to get him so far. And the other wise men in Babylon were half right when they said, the thing that the king asks is difficult and no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Their sense was that the gods were far away and, and, and from man and so they were hopeless. But Daniel knows that there is, in fact, a God who does dwell with flesh, the God of Israel, his God. And so Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah pray. They call on that God. We're told later that prayer was a regular part of Daniel's life. He prayed three times a day. But this must have been a different kind of prayer, or at least a different kind of prayer meeting, because the situation was so urgent. It required a sudden response. I love that the four of them are a team here, that they gather together to kind of amen one another, to agree as they pray, to spur one another on, to kind of take the lead in prayer as one of them kind of runs out of things to ask. I wonder, who would you pray with at a moment like this? I think all of us need kind of crisis prayers or breakthrough prayers, people who we can bring things that are going on in our lives to and say, would you pray with me about this? And if you're not sure who that would be, can I just encourage you to, to take the opportunity to deepen some of your Christian friendships? People in your small group, other people you've got to know in church, just say, hey, why don't we pray together a bit? Let's, let's go a bit deeper. Let's become people who, when crisis moment comes uh, or, or moments of opportunity like this come, we can pray and hear God together. You don't have to wait for a dramatic situation like this one. Yeah, God wants to shine his light through you now. And praying with others about that is something that we can do to get that started. Now, we don't know exactly what they prayed. It's not recorded for us. But I imagine that there were two particular areas um, that they prayed about and certainly that I think we should focus on in moments like this. The first is that they prayed precedent. So what God has done before, he can do again. So if the story of a powerful ruler being troubled by dreams whilst there's a young Jewish guy nearby sounds familiar, that's because it is. Daniel 2.1 says that Nebuchadnezzar's spirit was troubled. And the only other place that that phrase appears in the, New in the Old Testament is Genesis 41.8, when Pharaoh's spirit was troubled by strange dreams and Joseph was able to interpret them. Daniel and company would have known this story. And so they could say to God, we're in that situation. Won't you again act as you did before? If you can find parallels of a situation that you're facing or that you're wanting to see happen in God's word, that can be really encouraging, can't it? Because you can say to God, I've seen how you've acted before. I've seen what you've done. And I'm going to ask you, I'm asking you now, God, to do it again. They don't have to match exactly. Often in the Psalms, for example, when people are calling for help, they say to God, you rescued us from Egypt. Uh, that doesn't mean they were necessarily facing a sea, a literal sea that needed parting. But what they had seen in God's character in past events, they applied to their present. And we can do the same. Also, if we're familiar with uh, God's work in the life of other Christians, people we know, people we've read about, and even things that God has done in our life in the past, we can ask him to do those things again. 
God isn't bound to repeat himself uh, whenever we want him to, but he has acted in history and recorded these things so that we might know that he is capable of doing them and that we could ask him to do them again. Christians, of course, also live with these amazing words of Jesus. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. So there's a lot of precedent. And that also brings us into the second thing I imagine they prayed for, which is God's promises. Daniel's prayer group knew how God had acted in the past and they knew that he had promised to continue acting that way. They would have known, for example, Psalm 91, which ends with God saying of faithful people, it says, because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. I mean, that's basically Daniel's life story. Isaiah 46 may also have been on their mind. It starts by mocking the lifeless idols of the nations like Babylon. And then God says, remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done. That's exactly what Daniel needed. And so he prayed that promise maybe. They were also aware that their lives weren't the only ones at stake here. And so they could pray God's original great promise to their father, Abraham, where God said, I in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Looking at all these other people who are going to be killed as well. They could say to God, you've promised to bless people through us. Bless them in this way. Spare their lives. The gifts that God gives us are never meant to be used for our own benefit alone. They are that others might be blessed as well. And so I imagine this must have been along the lines with which these guys prayed. They prayed, God, you've done things like this before and you've promised that you'll do things like this again. And so, God, we're praying now. Please do them. This is such a moment of weakness and strength, isn't it? What could these four guys do to satisfy the king's impossible request? Well, they could pray to the God for whom nothing is impossible. When these kind of moments come, Whether it's a sudden crisis or a sense that we have an opportunity, God is inviting us to respond with faith as these guys did. Let's see what happened as they did. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. And then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, blessed be the name of God forever and ever to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise for you have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of you for you have made known to us the king's matter. Amazing news. God answers prayer. He answers their prayers. And of course, they're just thrilled. And whenever God answers any of our prayers, we need to keep this sense of thrill, the sense of amazement and wonder. We should never take it for granted. We should never get over that our God is like this. And Daniel's beautiful song of praise to God is a wonderful reminder of this. And this really is the hinge point for us, isn't it? 
All of us know what it's like to face moments of crisis or, or to have moments of opportunity where we think God wants to do something through us. And many of us have prayed at those times. But have we experienced what Daniel experienced? Did the light get brighter or did it seem switched off altogether? I just want to say, whatever your past experience has been, let's keep the Bible the thing that shapes our expectations. And the New Testament is clear that all God's people should expect to see supernatural breakthrough, gifts from God that cannot be explained by human power alone. There's such a strong sense of God's sovereignty in Daniel's song, isn't there? He says of God, he does this, he does that, he gives, he reveals. It's all from God. And and there are real parallels with that and Paul's description of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12. Paul says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. This means that some people will have gifts that you don't have and that you will have gifts that people around you might not have. But we can't let a passage like this lead us to kind of a spiritual fatalism. You know, just be like, oh, I'm just not like that, so I'm never going to have that gift. Or, you know, God hasn't given me that gift, so he never will give me that gift. That's not what Paul's saying at all. Uh, he goes on twice to say in this context, eagerly, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. God wants us to ask him for these things, and he wants them to grow in us. And and that point about them growing, I think, is really important because very few people I know who are experienced in spiritual gifts, who are moving powerfully in spiritual gifts, very few of those people have always had like pro-level abilities with them. God wants us to stay humble and he wants to grow our faith. And so not to have miraculous dream knowledge and interpretation skills right now is not a disqualification for ever having those things. God wants to take us to a place where he will grow these gifts in us and give us more as we are faithful. If you're faithful with a little, he says, I'll give you more. I think that applies to spiritual gifts. So, for example, one of the gifts that I know God has given me, a gift of faith, is regarding finance, about provision and and generosity. Uh, Because basically, when I didn't have very much money, uh, I would give um, bits of it away. And I just found that he, uh, he just kept blessing me as I did that. And so as he then gave me more money, I found myself more able to give those uh, more, uh, more able to give more money away. And this has just led to a a real strong faith when uh, issues of generosity or provision come up. I'm just confident in God in that because I've got some history with him. There are other areas where I'm much less confident because I don't have that experience yet. And I want to grow in that and I want to help you grow in that as well. So I spoke to a couple of people I know who have got uh, you know, prophetic gifts in our church that I really admire and value because I don't want to settle with what I've currently got. And so I said, so I said to them, what, what did you do? One of them told me that they found it, uh, it's, it's, it's helped them to start with just wanting to bless someone and even just saying that, can I just, you know, just bless you? Rather than say, hey, I've got this amazing revelation for you. I've got this incredible power that God wants to break into your life right now. Uh, sometimes that's possibly too much for someone, um, uh, either the person receiving it or the person giving it. 
And so they've said, well, you know, this is the point I'm going to start with. And it's, it's good. Uh, it may be good if their faith isn't feeling that strong. It's also good because it focuses their heart on God's heart and what God wants to do. Whatever he wants to do in a person's life, there's a blessing in it. Someone else told me about conversations they were having with a person and, and the conversation kept getting stuck whenever they tried to talk with them about God and uh, they were frustrated. And so they asked God for help and he gave them a, a really vivid picture of a trumpet and a sense that when they when they saw the trumpet, not physically, but when they saw it in their mind's eye in conversations with this person, they should go for it. And when they didn't, they shouldn't. And, and obviously, that, that's a strange thing to do, but they did it. They trusted God, and they're now having really fruitful conversations with this person. And the other person doesn't even know that that's what's happening, but God is leading the Christian. The Holy Spirit is leading the Christian in that moment, and breakthrough is happening. Another story I heard was from someone who had been trying to hear God more frequently outside of church meetings than within them, which is just brilliant. And they've prayed, uh, and they've asked God for this, and one day they felt God tell them to pray publicly for one of the boys in a youth group that they run. And so when the youth group all met together, they, uh, they announced to the group that along with all the usual kind of games and snacks and things like that, they were going to be praying for this boy. And the boy then told them that just that week, two members of his family had been diagnosed with cancer. And suddenly the whole group knew that God had known that and that he cared about it and that he wanted that boy to know that he knew and that he cared about him and his family members. That's what a prophetic gift can do. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1 says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So let's eagerly desire. Let's pursue these things in prayer. Let's encourage one another through teamwork. Let's remember that the world needs this and that God is able to give it if only he will find people who will obey him. Let's be those people. Okay, back to our story. Therefore Daniel went into Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste, and said thus to him, I found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, No wise man, enchanters, magicians or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed came thoughts of what would be after this and he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have more than any, more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation might be made known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. And then Daniel goes on to explain it. He says, you saw, O king, and behold, a great image. This image, mighty and of exceeding brightness, stood before you and its appearance was frightening. The head of this image was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. As you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. 
Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold all together were broken in pieces and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. And then Daniel goes on to give uh, the explanation, the interpretation of the dream, uh, which because that's not our focus today, I'm just going to skip past. But it's all there for you to read and puzzle over. But Daniel's conclusion is this. Verse 44. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end and it shall stand forever. Just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze the clay, the silver, and the gold. A great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain and its interpretation is sure. Did you see who Daniel gave all the credit to? No wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries and has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the last days. Uh, When I read this passage, I was reminded of what Peter says to a crowd who've gone wild by a, a healing that he's performed in Acts 3. He says, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? Peter says, no, Jesus's name by faith in his name has made this man strong. Remember, we are really not trying to generate our own light here. We are asking God to shine his light through us. And we see then as well who's blessed by all of this. Yes, Daniel and his friends' lives are saved, but so are all the other wise men as well. And the authority that God gives to Daniel enables him to speak truth to power. He says to King Nebuchadnezzar that however glorious his kingdom is, and you know, King Nebuchadnezzar is the head of gold in this vision. He says, however glorious this is, you only have it because God has given it to you. And God is going to destroy it and everything else and set up his own kingdom that will never, ever end. That's not what kings like to hear. And yet Nebuchadnezzar, we're about to see, he's delighted by this. This is what God's gifts, his supernatural intervention can do, whether you're at work or at home or in your community or wherever you are. The supernatural can open people's ears to the offensive message of the gospel. So if you've, you know, when people are shown their need of God, they are more ready to hear that they're hopeless without him. When God has shown his great power, People may uh, respond more um, happily uh, when he calls them to surrender to him. We aren't just seeking breakthrough for our own sakes or even for God's glory, but so that the people around us will come to know who Jesus is and be saved by him. Back again to 1 Corinthians 14, where Paul says, But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He's called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. This is to happen inside and outside of church meetings. And it's exactly what happens at the end of this story. 
Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be offered to him. The king answered and said to Daniel, Truly your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honours and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. Daniel made a request of the king, and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained at the king's court. As Jeremiah wrote to the exiles a few years after this, which we read on Friday in our Bible reading plan, if you're following that. But seek the welfare, the peace, the wholeness of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Let's pray that God would give us gifts that would light up the darkness around us. Wherever you work, wherever you live, the people around you need you to ask the God of Daniel to break into their lives through you, for his light to shine through you. There are all sorts of ways in which that may happen, but I believe that the supernatural spiritual gifts are one of those ways. And there's so few people who believe it. We need to take hold of it and do it. So let's be a people who respond in faith. Let's, let's take a step of action. As I'm going to lead us in prayer now, why don't you take a step of action this week, that every day this week you're going to ask God to do something like this. Might be a small thing to start with, but I believe God wants to do mighty things amongst us. Let's ask him now. Lord God, the God who reveals mysteries, the God who knows the end from the beginning, the God who speaks, the God who is with us, the God who shines his light through us, Please, Lord, do these things. What we've read and seen in this amazing story today, do in our lives. Shine your light. God, I pray for every person wanting to respond in faith, tentatively or confidently, with a a back catalogue of things that haven't worked as well as they wanted, or with um, a fresh, clean slate, or or those who have seen God do, they've seen you do this, and they just want you to do it more and more in their lives. Lord, whoever's praying this, answer them now with wonderful gifts. Holy Spirit, we need you. We want to pursue you for your gifts. We eagerly desire them. Please give them to us. Please bless us that we will be a blessing to the world. Amen.